following episode of Days of Thunder is brought to you as part of the PWOM Podcast Network. Subscribe to PWOM now to enjoy other fine podcasts talking wrestling of the past, the present, and much, much more. Let's start the show. Thunder Buddies and Travelers Down Thunder Road. It's us, Days of Thunder, the WCW Thunder rewatch podcast that you didn't ask for, but we did anyway, coming to you as part of the PWOM Podcast Network. I'm your host, your celebrant upon Thunder Road, Dave Ryan, and I'm joined by my faithful co-host, Stagger Lee Malone. Lee, how are you this week? When you said celebrant, I thought you were going down a totally different road. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to say mass. I, I mean, listen. Anything can happen on this show. Well, it's an awards show. So, you know, for, for those uh, Irish and English listeners who uh, might get the, the reference, I could go full golden cleric. <laughs> and start burying everybody. Yeah, yeah. Now we'll move on to liars. <laughs> All of the wrestlers. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, how have you been, buddy? It's been a minute. Uh, we, we missed our recording slot quite considerably. Yeah, I think real life just has been fucking us over quite significantly the last couple of weeks yeah i have uh so like in, in my new role that i think i mentioned on the show that i started with my shoot job uh, at the start of the year um summer is our busiest time we're running like summer camps and stuff like for instance as we record i'm looking at my clock here about nine hours from now i'll be on a train down to my work um to go jump in a river for the hey. day yeah, we're doing water safety and rescue. So um, ah. it should be a good day, especially because this is the other thing I want to talk about. What the fuck? Ireland has turned into a tropical paradise in the last four or five days. It's disgusting, isn't it? It's like, <laughs> I, I feel like I'm living on the surface of the sun. It is so warm. Like, I, I don't, I'm not exaggerating. It is like, I've gone through like three t-shirts every day mm. this weekend. It is like just it is like being on holidays, such as the heat, and it's such a dead heat. There is no breeze anywhere. No. I, I someone told me that it's. Uh, I think it was Emma told me that it's like it might be thirty on Wednesday in parts of the Celsius. Midlands. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, so. it's, we're we're not built for this. No, no. I'm thankful that like <laughs> so. Normally, if it's warm, my office has lovely air conditioning, but because of COVID, we have to do all our groups outside. So like I'm spending all my days in this heat outside, which sounds great in one respect, but like mm-hmm. when you're doing stuff like weeding gardens and <laughs> like spray painting, and this week we're going to be like constructing furniture out of pallets and stuff like that for a little outdoor area outside work, and like all that shit is just going to be excruciating in the heat. You'll be busting out the f- factor fifty. Yeah, but that's 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 that that's my shit. That's why I've I I've missed stuff. You you've been fairly busy yourself. I, I have. I mean, I've got 
the real life responsibilities I've got, you know, yeah. an eight year old son. Yeah. I have once again returned to playing football myself as well as coaching an underage kids team. Yeah. And uh, I also have a pregnant wife. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for that one. I was just like, yeah, and I had a sandwich for lunch. Like, you're just like, you're just like, I, I could have kept it going, couldn't I? <laughs> Motherfuckers just burying in the lead. Yeah. Uh, fucking... so, so, somebody texted me the other day. He's like, oh, I heard you have some meals. I was like, yeah, man, I'm back playing football. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, I'm by the way. <laughs> Out of retirement. Oh, as well. Yeah, I'm, I'm having another child. <laughs> well, congratulations, my friend. Thank I'm you, sure pal. The Thunder Buddies will, will congratulate you as well. So that's what's kind of kept us away, uh, that we've both been been up to 90 uh, with, with real life stuff. But I'm, I'm glad to be back in the saddle this week. Yeah, it's it's that kind of comforting thing of not doing any research at all. I'm just coming back to record. <laughs> this is the best kind of show to come back with, is that I've just copied down the polls. I have a couple of bullet points. We didn't have to watch anything, crucially. Yeah. Um, I, I actually should say, in terms of um, watching stuff, um, we put out a couple of tweets on the last couple, or, or related to the last couple of shows and mentioned on the last couple of shows, a couple of things we were looking for mm-hmm. uh, to watch to see if there's any tape of. And the Thunder Buddies came in clutch with, uh, I don't know if you saw this, but we got we got tweeted the by two separate people, I think. Uh, mm-hmm. I know, I know. Aaron Quinn was one of them. The entire, uh, the entire uh, taping of WCW and QVC. I have not watched it yet, but I do know it's there in the mentions that I absolutely want to go back to at some stage. And what was this? There was a second thing as well that we asked about. Was just the thing that Alan sent us. What was that? What did he send us? He sent us a like a. Oh, uh, like a at the taped house show, wasn't it? It was. Um, no, it was like. Um, Oh fuck! It was like, uh, yeah, it was like a non-canonical televised WCW show or something like that. Or it was like a, oh no, it was like a Nitro they did on a Tuesday or a Wednesday or something, wasn't it? Okay, hang on, I'm, go- I'm gonna go yeah, back yeah. through the DMs and find it. So I think for some sort of special, like to save us, um, in the timeline at some point, I think we'll watch both of them and record a special. That's the two of them together. Mm-hmm. I think that might be an idea, like not straight away, because I want to get back into the timeline and start 99. But I think it might be an idea. Okay, to... it, it's uh, November 24th, 1998, a special one hour Tuesday Nitro. That, yeah, okay, yeah, that's what it was. So we'll we'll do a special at some stage in the next couple of months. That'll be the QVC special and the one hour Tuesday Nitro. Um, you can you can mark that down in your calendars, kids. But uh, I think we've forestalled on starting ninety nine for long enough, and we're not even start we're not even starting the year with a thunder, are we? The first no, the first show in the calendar on ninety nine is in fact a nitro, um, a it, very it, important one. Yeah, well, it, I mean, honestly, like if it wasn't that particular nitro slash raw we wouldn't go near it but the fact that you know it kicks off the year and kind of sets the tone for everything that's to come yeah so where where did we sit on it lee just to kind of before we get into this week's episode we're gonna do a a knights of nitro that's covering both shows from i think both shows yeah yeah so you can look forward to that in two weeks and like just as we said we love doing a show where we have to watch nothing new now we're having to watch two shows for the next one but uh, that's (laughs) 
we're gluttons for punishment. Right. What can we say? Absolute gluttons for punishment. That'll be our kickoff for 99 is that Nights and Nitro special. So look out for that in a couple of mm-hmm. weeks. But Lee, this is the 1998 Hundies. Um, and it's all about looking back on a year in WCW and what it amounts to about two and a half years of podcasting together. Um, and just thinking about like, um, yeah, stuff that kind of stuck out and 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 good memories you have. Let, let's talk about the podcast first, because, yeah, we've been doing this shit for two and a half years, my friend. <laughs> uh, yeah, what it, you, it, what, now that we're sitting here with one full calendar year done, how are you feeling? I mean, I, I feel a sense of accomplishment that we we have stuck with it and we've got through um, 1998. A lot of people... Um, doubt was that we would even make it what three months into the show mm-hmm. I think that's what a lot of people put it as they're like oh you know after the third week it stops being funny and you know by the time you get to February March you'll just be like you'll you'll give up yeah. Um, but I mean I think initially like having that consistency really helped us we were like yeah. alright now we're going to get show every two weeks mm-hmm. I think we're a bit easier on ourselves where that if something comes up we're not going to force it yeah, or you know, and I think people understand that we do have to have lives outside of podcasting. Yeah. I think I, I think everybody like the, the vast majority of Thunder Buddies listen will will get that kind of we have been pretty good about hitting that every two Thursdays thing mm-hmm. for our whole existence, apart from the uh, was it the three months during lockdown where oh, we were God. doing a show a week like <laughs> fucking maniacs. That that was. I mean, really enjoyable, but God, we could not keep up that pace. No, that was when literally, like, it was during the that small window where you weren't in work, mm-hmm. and uh, when I was fully working from home. Um, and that was before like sport had kicked back in. There was literally nothing else to watch. Yeah, like, all, t- all, t- all TV were shows gone. were on hold. Yeah, it was just there was that really strange time. Yeah, um, but we will always like unless it is like it, it it does still take something significant to get in the way for the two of us not to record mm-hmm. together. And yeah, just like on my own part, it's it's been incredible because like I would say that we were, you know, quite good friends before mm-hmm. uh, doing the podcast. But like we would st- like um, we would kind of only see each other and speak to each other a lot at, at wrestling shows twice. Yeah. A week. Do you know what I mean? We'd spend a few hours uh every three weeks or so together yeah, and generally that's about yeah it. whereas like now we're you know we're fairly regularly in contact mm-hmm. with the dms anyway about the show but like on top of that then just get to see your face for a couple of hours <laughs> when we record every two weeks and then the libelous shenanigans it, that go on before we hit record it, it, it does feel like it's a lot more um like I find having the video does make it feel like we are a lot more in contact. Like, whereas if you're just looking at that kind of, you know, the blank screen mm-hmm. when you're recording, it does feel a bit like distance. So you're like, ah, I yeah. didn't really see, you know, I was talking to them for whatever amount of time. But like seeing the video, I think does help make you feel that bit more in contact with each other. Yeah. I, and it's been good. And like I said, yeah, it, I, I think it really helped the head a lot during lockdown, mm-hmm. having this to do, you know, being like, or, you know, let's get the show out. People are really enjoying it and it's something for them to do during lockdown as well as something for us to do. But like the whole experience has been great. Like I said, we were good friends before, but mm-hmm. like I, I, I would consider us much closer friends. Oh yeah, absolutely. Do, yeah. Do it the whole time. And like, 
I suppose I have a list of people that I, I do want to mention, you know, in terms of the like who's been involved with us and stuff like that for a year. But first and foremost, to thank yourself, because Jesus, like it is a, a pleasure to have you as a co-host every every two weeks. If it wasn't Jesus, we would have stopped three months in. I can tell you that because WCW is not worth putting up with. <laughs> well, I mean, honestly, like I've said this before, without you to, you know, do all the hard work this show wouldn't happen i could not do the, the work behind the scenes that you do like the editing the the putting the show together the intros all stuff like that that's all that's all dave i just come here and take the piss out of things <laughs> the, the, <laughs> I, I think the big role that we that uh lee took for himself was to hassle people when we wanted guests <laughs> but like because we've been so busy we haven't had guests in a while so lee's been loving that <laughs> well i mean there was somebody i was talking to recently that is still owed us a an appearance. Oh fuck yeah, we really need to do that. There's and a pick your there's a pick your poison. There's a pick your poison I've had on the schedule for about eight months now. I think because we were going to get them in. I think, I think it was like early June 2020 was when I had it originally penciled in, and I think that was from April. Yeah. 2020. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it was right after lockdown. We booked mm-hmm. a bunch of shows in advance because and... we we had been on that person's show. In the February. Yeah. So if you can <laughs> if you can figure out that coded language there, you'll know who we're talking about. But we will get them on and get some more people on as well yeah. uh, as we get into 99 and settle into our rhythm. I think, speaking for myself, I want to get a few shows for 99 under the belt, maybe get past the first pay-per-view before we start mm-hmm. like uh, reaching out to people oh, we yeah. had promised. Um, just because I, I, I love when we do specials, but I don't want like it to be all specials and they're like, oh, where the fuck's my, my thunder yeah, timeline, exactly. you know? Um, but anyway, yeah. So like, thanks to you first and foremostly, uh, it, it has been a, a pleasure these two years and that's good because we have about six more left with the right <laughs> we're doing podcasts. <laughs> what, what, what was the initial timeline we said? Oh, I think uh, it was like, seven and a half, seven and a yeah, half I think- was the... I think it was like week three or four. You were like, so I looked at the schedule. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't think we have to go through like the, the origin story again for the podcast, but like, I'm just thinking back on kind of the early days and we haven't really like changed the format of the show too no. much. You know, we've added a few bells and whistles here and there, like our Enos alert and our, our finish <laughs> counter and, and things like that. But like the bones of the show have been, you know, pretty much the same since the start. It's a bit, pre- it has been pretty consistent. And I think we've always said, Wait, like, wait this isn't us like, uh, you know, ourselves, gas ourselves up. It's just kind of like, <laughs> I think it's a, I think a show like this is a good opportunity to reflect, especially for listeners who have hopped on and mm-hmm. rightfully don't want to go back through the whole archive straight away. Yeah. Please don't do main X. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, look, we've always said like our one of our big inspirations for doing the show was the Attitude Era podcast. Yeah. And we, without like totally aping what they do, mm. we did kind of take their general format and say, right, well, that's the kind of idea of what we'd like to do. Yeah. And I think we've been fairly set out our own little method and way of doing things and yeah. we've stuck to that fairly well hmm. i think like um i think i've said it before i don't know if i've said it on air that like the original um like inspiration for me to do a wrestling podcast many many years before i ever did was um the figure four daily 
and mm. the Brian and Vinny show back in the day. So I was a, I was a lurker there from 2006 and then fully joined the board in 2007 and was there for many years. And like between that and Wrestling Observer Live, um, I was like, oh, this this would be a really cool thing to do. Um, but it wasn't until, as you said, things like the Attitude Era podcast um, and to a lesser extent, OSW, because I know they do their own thing with the video mm. podcast. So it's not quite a parallel. Yeah. But like that whole kind of, you know, just enthusiasts uh, doing their own podcast. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, you don't need a big professional setup and a paywall and stuff like that. You can just fucking put mics in front of two mates and bang, um, there you go. Um, I suppose the big change we had was five episodes in the introduction of alcohol. <laughs> well, did it take till the fifth episode? I think it was the fifth episode, <laughs> yeah. It was somewhere between three and five episodes before I just... I, we probably were drinking, but it was, I think it was the fifth episode where I announced that actively I would have to drink going forward. <laughs> I know it's just become such a big part of our lives. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's become our brand. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, it's quite the brand to have, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. But it's, uh, I suppose the next people to thank, like originally we thought like, we're just going to do this in a bubble, just the two of us the whole mm-hmm. time. And then, we kind of started getting an interest in uh, bringing over friends of ours to chat with them. So, like, I definitely want to thank um, all the guests we've had over mm-hmm. the over the couple of years. Um, our first guest ever was Johnny, wasn't it? It was in the uh, apartment in Oberhausen. Yeah, Twitter bad boy Bo's Johnny. Uh, <laughs> he was our first pick your poison guest, uh, followed by uh, the Strong Style Story Boys, Jeff and Chris, and then Jamesy James for a yeah. Ric Flair edition. Um, so yeah, they, those were all great shows. And like we said, Pick Your Poison will be returning uh, in the next few <laughs> months. You know, watch out. But like, thanks so much to them uh, for coming on. Um, like, I think without them, I, I think we would have uh, less of a flavor to the show, you know? And I think uh, we probably have some listeners that came over from, you know, Jamesy and Strong Style Story. Yeah, absolutely. And even, even probably Johnny's Twitter feed probably tried to say <laughs> those guys. So we're incredibly yeah. thankful to them. For sure. Uh, also, definitely want to thank uh, our, our network, PWOM, for having us and really uh, getting us out there to more mm-hmm. people. Like, I think we were. We were pleasantly surprised by how many people listened to us for the first, I think it was, it was like nine, eight or nine, nine weeks. I think, our, I think our 10th one was the first one with mm-hmm. uh, PWO at the time, currently PWOM. And um, we were we were already pleasantly surprised with how we were doing uh, in terms of how many people seemed to be enjoying what we were putting out there. But like, I think since we hooked up with PWO, um, it just has exceeded our wildest expectations. And yeah. now the fact that like, if we miss a show, <laughs> we never thought we'd get there, that if we missed a Thursday, that anyone would notice. That, you know what? That was the thing that really blew my mind when people start going, oh, is there no show this week? Yeah. And like within it, like, because it's happened a couple of times where there's been like, um, you know, either I haven't gotten home on time to post a show or um, similarly on the PWOM side of things. um, And like almost within a couple of hours of when the show would normally post, Mm -hmm. oh, is there no thunder this week? (laughs) It it is phenomenal to think of that we just started this show on a whim almost. And for God knows what reason. 
and I'm yeah. very thankful that they do. People seem to enjoy it. Yeah. Um, and that that brings me to my next point is that the people I want to thank absolutely the most are the listeners, the Thunder yeah. Buddies. And whether mm-hmm. you're somebody who has listened to every episode, someone who's listened to every episode and watched the shows with us, or somebody that just dips in and out for the big shows, or hey, if this is your first Days of Thunder episode. Get out now. <laughs> well, well, the getting's good. Um, holy shit, thank you all so much. Yeah. It, it's incredible uh, to have like uh, such a nice... Uh, positive community around the podcast that we can reach out to for all sorts of silly questions about whether it's you know who plays somebody in a film or um god what other dumb shit have we asked people over the oh couple god of years, I, I can't i can't even imagine what the stuff we've asked you know if this was a professional operation lee i'd have like some sort of clip show format of like the all the the responses we got this year but um, I, don't, I don't got that we we need a producer for that, and we're that's not going to happen. That's no, that's 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 uh, the <laughs> Patreon. That's no bueno. Not going to happen. <laughs> no. Um. But yeah, thanks so much, listeners. Like sincerely, and like not only just for for tuning in, subscribing, and stuff like that, but also the amount of you who've told other people about the podcast. Um. Suffice to say, we we see every tweet that goes out there saying, "Hey, mm-hmm. you you should try these guys. They're they're really entertaining," and like that does warm our cold black hearts. <laughs> um, and you know, like you know, uh, Lee's got new mouths to feed. So the, you yeah, know, I mean, doing that come shit, on. guys. <laughs> One day we will monetize monetize the uh, Twitter account. <laughs> yeah, you guys need to get us there so that we can sell the fuck out as soon as possible. <laughs> You don't want us to miss a show. Make us rich. <laughs> uh, not even rich. Just, you know, John and Way rich. Just comfortable. <laughs> um, John and Way rich. <laughs> um, what, what are some of your kind of like, uh, before we go to WCW itself, what, what are some of your kind of personal highlights of um, like the madness that has been this shit show? I mean, we mentioned it there a minute ago, but like sitting around with just me, you and Johnny in the apartment in Oberhausen and just chatting about Eddie Guerrero like that. Yeah. Like that was something we would have done anyway. Yeah. And the fact that we were able to record it and put it out and have people listen to it is just like it's one of those things you don't really think about in the moment. But then when you sit back and you go, you know, what, that's actually pretty cool. I got to sit around with two mates and chat wrestling. And then people listen and said, you know what, that was good. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that warms my heart. So I also love like whenever we do something like real dumb and throwaway and it seems to catch on with people on Twitter after the fact, like I really didn't think I'd I'd get, I'd make anyone but myself laugh with the Enos alert. Oh God. Or the Enos puns or anything like that. <laughs> that that was also, <laughs> I still laugh thinking back to the, <laughs> the puns, oh God. Um, we uh, the large man appears became a bit of a thing. It's like, still a bit. The, the fact that that's still going, and yeah, you know, our our friends over at the Strong Style Story podcast and Boom Goes the Dynamite, they keep the large man appears cinematic universe rolling on, uh, which I'll always be thankful for. I, um, I think that there's nothing better than waking up on a Thursday if I haven't said to watch Dynamite, hmm. and I check the phone, and next thing it'll just be like so many likes or mentions on a large man appears i'm like ah fuck (laughs) (laughs) it's like hashtag large man appears or yeah the one i had for andrade was a sexy man appears and (laughs) yeah it's just so like that's such a cool little thing like that you know 
dumb bits like that. Yeah. And that's just stuff you don't even think about when you're starting that people will actually latch on to. Yeah. Um, Yeah, that's been a highlight. I think something else, and to pivot into talking about WCW itself in 1998, um, is the kind of just discovering stuff that I I hadn't before. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, I don't know how many times this year we said, oh, I've seen clips of this match, or oh, I never even heard this match happening. And just getting to see some of it, uh, getting to see all this shit unfold in real time as well has been really, really fascinating. I mean, you'll never forget the first time you saw Hoobie versus Reese. Yeah, I know. We all remember, <laughs> like, like it was the day Kennedy was shot. We all knew where we were when Hoobie versus Reese happened. I was gonna say we all know where we were when the the giant and Meng had the no bumps <laughs> match on Nitro. The choke nap, which I'll tell. <laughs> oh, the choke nap was like one of our earliest. Earliest uh, bits, yeah. Yeah, um, both Bagwell's mirror promo, which I'd oh, never God. seen before. Uh, like, there's been so much good stuff in amongst all the bad that it's been like uh, these little nuggets have been really, really worthwhile. Mm-hmm. Um, right before we get into the awards and the final evaluation of where we sit with 1998 WCW Lee, there's one last uh, kind of contemporary thing I want to talk about, and I think. Uh, for a lot of people listening to this, and certainly for us as hosts, it's something that uh, a significant anniversary went by that we should absolutely mark. Um, and that is 10 years since Punk won the big one at Money in the Bank. Um, I cannot believe it's been 10 years. Like, Also, you know, it, it, it's, that means it's also 10 years uh, since Brian won Money in the Bank. You know, something that we we consistently forget about. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, God, yeah. Like, <laughs> I mean, you're you're there wearing your punk t-shirt from the from the time period. Yeah, I I literally I was telling Lee before we started this, like I just happened to find it in a drawer a couple of weeks ago, and then realized the anniversary was incoming. So when I was getting ready for the podcast tonight, what else was I gonna mm-hmm. wear? Um, but God, yeah, like ten years, it's. It's incredible to think back to how hot that whole thing felt and to then compare and contrast to Money in the Bank that happened last night and mm. nothing feels hot coming off of yeah. that. God damn, we're not going to labor the point to talk about that shit show uh, too much. Um, but yeah, it was, I think I, I I tweeted about it that like it's the last time in my life that I remember friends of mine who used to be wrestling fans actively coming back mm-hmm. and staying back for a period of time. Like a lot of my friends who were around then for the indie boom in 2016 were people that were kind of just still hanging around wrestling after coming back for punk. Mm-hmm. Um, I so, think uh, like our good friend Zig, I think he says himself, yeah, Money in the Bank reinvigorated his love for yeah. wrestling. Yeah, because he was a big CM Punk guy, um, mm-hmm. you know, going through. But I think we all thought. I remember a time where um, it was during. Um, it was while one of the periods where Jericho was away. And I remember Brian Alvarez saying that ultimately CM Punk will achieve the career of Chris Jericho. This was when Punk, like, I think had just come to ECW, maybe at this point. And you know what? That would have felt like an accomplishment. Yeah. But you know what? Like, it ended up being like Punk ended up for a while being 
uh, a hotter commodity than Jericho ever was, unfortunately, mm-hmm. because like, again, there was a time where Jericho should have absolutely been in that kind of position. But we've talked about that enough on the show. Mm-hmm. And then kind of it also, then Jericho comes back and has that incredible heel run and stuff. And, you know, obviously he helped bring AEW to where it is and, and things like that. So ultimately it's not an unfair comparison, but at the time, I think for a lot of punk fans, they were just like, no, we wanted to achieve more than the something more than that. Yeah. Yeah. um, But yeah, it was just, it was an incredible night and it's one of those things as well. And it's partly because they try to pretend he doesn't exist a lot of the time that it's one of the moments they haven't absolutely taken all the joy out of in the years since. Mm -hmm. There are so many things that they have recreated time and time again or tried to like monetize the past to the point where we're absolutely sick of it. You know, the 400 DX reunions and things like that. But that like month between the, the pipe bomb promo and him winning the belt, untouchable like it just hasn't it's still so special i watched that entrance in chicago that night and oh, i still get chills i've i've rewatched i like i rewatched that match at least twice a year yeah and like you say it's one of those things because they refuse to acknowledge it so much mm. on tv yeah that it does still have that special feeling yeah, like I was a big fan of the the heel punk run then for his mm-hmm. 434 day reign uh, leading up to when he lost it at the Rumble against The Rock, which is still The Rock's best match since he came back. Mm-hmm. And I know he's probably coming back for Mania next year and I still feel that I will be right in saying that <laughs> match will be as good as it will ever get. But uh, yeah, it was... It, like that had its that 434 days had its like very very down moments like again Mm -hmm. three or four months that were spent feuding with the Ryback uh things like that but the that month leading up to the the title win that we all thought we all were just like he's not gonna win yeah he's gone like simply not gonna win and and that's the thing that people forget people were of the belief okay he's done yeah we we allowed ourselves to be worked by it because like the more mm-hmm. he talks about it, like oh no I definitely didn't have a deal blah 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 the less I think you know I think maybe the night of the pipe bomb he hadn't signed anything but before the first bell rang that night in Chicago mm-hmm. he was easily resigned oh yeah of course he was Vince wasn't letting him win if- I would suspect because remember after the pipe bomb they suspended him for a week yeah but it was it was really half a night because they did a double shot of the next two rows oh that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I would suspect sometime in that week, if he hadn't re-signed mm-hmm. already, he had. I don't think it was getting as far as the pay-per-view if he hadn't. Um, you know, because Vince has history with <laughs> also, you know, the night of the pay-per-view coming out with the new CM Punk short, which you are modeling at the moment. Which, like, yeah, uh, and it was you, such you... a great night back on like on Twitter at the time, where it was just like it was just disbelief. Mm-hmm. The first uh, five star rating for a WWE match since Hell in a Cell. The first Hell in a Cell. Was it? Yeah. Yeah. It was Undertaker Sean had been the last five star match. There had been a couple in North America, I think, in like, um, Jesus, I I assume Ring of Honor had. I don't think. Oh, no, Ring of Honor. Oh, no, it did. Ring of Honor had that. The Was it the Elgin match? That one Elgin match got five stars a couple of years before it. Okay. Maybe Joe, did Joe Kobashi get five? I don't think so. I don't know. Um, and I'm not sure if TNA had maybe the unbreakable <laughs> three way, if anything. Oh, uh, no, I don't. I think, don't think Dave gave that five. Yeah, 
I don't think so. But uh, yeah, it was the first WWF one anyway, WWE one uh, since 1997. So yeah, just wanted to mark 10 years since that because mm-hmm. like I think, like I definitely was as unengaged, as disengaged, I say, mm-hmm. as I ever was at that point until the punk stuff started. You know, I was only tuning in to see what punk was doing during the straight edge society stuff. And that was mm-hmm. it. Um, and that got me back in in a big way to be like watching Raw live every week and things like that during the summer of punk and um, yeah it's probably why I'm still here so in some ways <laughs> you know I'm mad at this I, I think like we, we've said this often enough the only thing that has come close ever since is like a really great episode of AEW mm, yeah it's the only thing that can almost like match that feeling yeah well that's what I was going to say like I'm now more disengaged than I even was before mm-hmm. that punk thing because like in ter- well in terms of WWF or WWE anyway because I don't watch any yeah uh, like I said I watched a little bit of that money in the bank la- last night and cringed enough and just went no this isn't for no, me and there it, are some and you know as we said before there are guys we like on that show but it's just mm-hmm. unwatchable um and yeah so the only pro wrestling I consume is AW. And I'm not like, I, I wouldn't call myself an AEW fanboy in as much as I really want WWE to be good. I really wish it was. I wish my problem was I have too much weekly wrestling to keep up with. Mm-hmm. Um, but unfortunately, it's dog shit. Uh, <laughs> speaking of dog shit, let's move on and talk about 1998, my friends. <laughs> um, a transition. Yeah. So now that it's all behind us in the rear view on thunder road we're making that turn off into 1999 as a whole piece of work if you want to call it that uh, what did you think of wcw in 1998 it surpassed my expectations in so many ways Mm -hmm. because there was so much great stuff and i and i legitimately mean that i think there was a ton of great great stuff in 1998 but then the lows were so incredibly low it's that variance it just you cannot keep you cannot keep dipping and going high and dipping again like so often and in between like great moments that it's just not you can't you can't maintain that because the audience will eventually go well is it worth tuning in for six hours of absolute bollocks to get mm. DDP Goldberg. Yeah. I think um, something we said on Starcade is very true of the whole year and not just Starcade. It's like there was so much great stuff to pick through. There were so many guys who were in positions where you could have done something mm-hmm. or could have done something different. And the thing that's infuriating time and time again is watching them get themselves into a position where you know they should turn left, but they turn right, you know? Mm -hmm. And I'm not even saying that as somebody like with the benefit of hindsight. Like, I think a lot of this uh, business destroying stuff would have been pointed out at the time that these were dumb ideas. Like, it's not just us being able to go, well, we know they went out of business in 2001, therefore it must have been dumb. Mm -hmm. This was stuff that people were shitting on at the time. You know, and they were just making consistently bad decisions 
at least partly fueled by the idea that there was a small cadre of people on the top of the card and they didn't want to share that stage with anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, I know, I know you haven't watched it yet, but <clears throat> I just, I was watching the Kevin Ash on Broken School Sessions. Dude, oh, I'm very excited for that. And Nash mentions that, you know, you know, we were kicking WWE's ass for, you know, weeks and weeks and we, we were real and people felt that, you know, the fear of the NWO and blah, blah, blah. And he said, you know, and that was until Mike Tyson showed up at WrestleMania. And he says, you know, I, I went, he's told the story a million times. He says, you know, I showed up for TV the next night for Nitro. You know, he said, I'm walking backstage and he sees Kevin Sullivan and someone goes, brother, did you feel the water get a bit colder tonight? He said, we've hit an iceberg. And He's like he's told that story so many times that Sullivan said, "Right, this is a get a long term contract because this company isn't long for the world." Yeah, and that was March nineteen ninety eight. Yeah, when they are like, I mean, we said it; they weren't at their absolute peak. Mm-hmm. But I mean, Goldberg hadn't even won the title yet. Yeah, they still had enough breathing space ahead of WWF at the start of 1998 that they should have been able to keep distance with the stuff like Goldberg that they still had in the canister because the thing about um, something like Tyson is that Tyson isn't going to be there all the time Mm -hmm. so if you can build a star like Goldberg that can be held on an equal level to the biggest star they have in Stone Cold Steve Austin then they can't catch you because you're you're or offering they, stars of the same or or greater or they, level. They, they can catch it, but they can't surpass you. Yeah. To the to the point where you're losing fifty million a fucking year. Mm-hmm. You know, it but like it comes back to my point of the people that were in charge of making decisions yeah. in March of nineteen ninety-eight were saying, Oh shit, get as much out of this company as you can. Yeah. And and something else that the Austin and Tyson thing did, as we consistently would see throughout 1998, was completely rattle Eric Bischoff specifically. Yes. Because in the months following WrestleMania 14, we were inundated with celebrities involved in WCW and mm-hmm. wrestling. Like such a desperate, clawing attempt to be like, we're still relevant we got the challenge to Vince McMahon and Slambury. We got the Jay Leno stuff, the, the whole taking over to the night show. We, we got, got the Rodman and Rodman. Milan. Yeah. And like you say, Bischoff was so rattled. Yeah. And Nash says on the on the um, Broken School Sessions, he's like, you know, we were telling Bischoff, we were said, no, Vince is going to sit back and watch and pick yeah. his moment. And he like he's not going anywhere. You aren't putting him out of business. There's the one period of time in Vince's career where he was like, we've got a star in Steve Austin. So now let's build more stars mm-hmm. while Steve is at its, ho- at its hottest. And like within a year, 18 months, you had Triple H and The Rock ready to go. And like, obviously, start 1998, we're a few months into Kane arriving. And they still had The Undertaker. Whereas in WCW, it's like, we have stars and we'll build them to a point. You know, Goldberg is really the only one in 1998 that I can say broke through to that next, next level. Mm -hmm. You know, Paige, who we love, probably about the equivalent level of star he was at the start of the year. Yep. Um, Mm -hmm. Sting, diminished. Luger, diminished. Yeah. Um, 
Savage, long-term injured. And Bret you're Bret talking Hart about never the, got going. Yeah, you're talking about also, you know, with the exception of Bret Hart, you just mentioned all those guys I just mentioned have been around in WCW for years. So in terms mm-hmm. of fresh faces at the top, it's only Goldberg. And by the end of 1998, you've already beaten him. Yeah, and, and here's the thing. He can only work with one other person at, at a time. Yeah. And, like, I'm not recommending anybody do this, but if you go back to, like, I want to say mid-1997, you can track Stone Cold Steve Austin, Rock, or Rocky Maivia, The Rock, mm-hmm. and Triple H, and all their interactions all along they keep gravitating back to each other. Yeah. I know they probably didn't do it on purpose. Yeah. But all throughout their steps up that ladder, they kept going back to each other. They kept yeah. going back to each other. They and do you know what part of that is? Like, it may not have been deliberate in terms of these are going to be the three guys at the mm-hmm. top of the company by 1999-2000, but it, it would have been deliberate in as much as we know when we put a combination of these guys together that it's going to make good it stuff, works. Yeah. you know? And in WCW, by contrast, what you had was multiple occasions where I'm not saying that any of these guys could have been a Triple H, a Stone Cold, or The Rock eventually, but there were guys who were getting like organically pretty hot at different points mm-hmm. and you could have done something with them. You could have pushed them on and just just tried it out for a couple of months, you know? I mean, they, they did it with Paige in 97. Yeah, Paige was nowhere near the top of the card until he had that Randy Savage field. Yeah. And it worked. And, you know, like he is that guy in the company who's like, we're going to keep him here at like the US title level. And then periodically we'll need someone to step up for mm-hmm. a month and we'll heat him up then. Um, There were points at which they really could have run with like the flock as a. Like, I was not, just going to bring it up. Yeah. Not completely. Like, I, know, I personally would have like started building Raven towards a main event heel slot. But mm-hmm. you know what I mean? I know the reality was that they, they weren't going to do that. But even it, like just below the top. Like I'm pretty sure we said it on the show at one point. If you want a cast of characters that are so much the polar opposite of everything the NWO represented. Yeah. It's the flock. Yeah. And if you don't think that Raven could have carried a main event angle opposite the NWO. Yeah. I mean, you're nuts. Like, okay. I mean, you know, you're not going to, it wasn't like, even if, like we said, it was only a short term main event thing. Like you're not, you're not going to push Reese. You're not going to push fan hammer. You're not going to push Horace. God forbid. But Kidman, Saturn, Raven, Canyon. that trif- Canyon, that those four guys could carry anything. Yeah, you could have absolutely built it. That that could have been, you know, I know what they did with War Games was one thing, but that could have been your War Games. You could have had like Flock versus Wolfpack or something mm-hmm. like that if you'd protected the Flock well enough. Um, Saturn was a guy who, like again, I'm not saying world title level guy, but he was a guy who was he- getting really over. Mm-hmm. And like like that that um, TV title stuff was the start of the year. Yeah, I mean we we mentioned it. Booker T was ready to go at the start of nineteen ninety eight. Booker T, oh my god, you talk about like now they eventually get the fucking message with Booker T, but it's way mm-hmm. too late in the day, way too late in the day before he's a world title guy in WCW. I mean by the middle of the year, Scott Steiner is an absolute diamond in this company. Yeah. Um, who else? Jericho, obviously. Ugh. Like Jericho was consistently getting over being given absolutely nothing mm-hmm. and not being watched by anybody. 
uh, in charge. I'm, I mean, and, it's by it's by what October that the fans are actively cheering for Chris Jericho. Yeah, and like worked himself into what would have been one of the more interesting Goldberg feuds that he didn't have any sort of delusions that he was going to win. Mm-hmm. He happily would have done the job for Goldberg, but they they crushed him to the point where he's out of there in a few months now. Yeah. Um. You know, uh, people, their mileage is very on the giant, but there's a guy who just like, in terms of like his, his physical presence, um, could always be something interesting for you. That That's the, you know what? And this is probably a big show. The giant is probably the guy that suffered the most at the hands of Hulk Hogan. Yeah, possibly. Uh, like, um, him or, or Sting. Yeah. Like Sting, the hottest he ever was, and then that fucking like the starcade right before we our timeline starts is where he's like hobbled and never recovers. I mean, Sting, I mean, we said at the time, like he has to take part of the blame because he came back in awful condition and was not ready after having like 16 months off. Yeah. But again, Hogan having that creative control and this doesn't work for me, brother. Mm. And, you know, all that good stuff is just like, yeah, like, I mean, we, we said it, like everything Hogan touches except for the Goldberg match in 1998 is absolute piss. Yeah. And as we read out of the Observer, he only did that under the proviso he was going to be the one to yeah. break the streak. Mm-hmm. Which in one way, the one of the things we didn't mention on Starcade that I'm delighted that the streak was broken because Hogan didn't get to do it. <laughs> like, you know, the petty part of me finds that very funny. Um, but like, I, th- I think that's something that we really probably didn't even touch on as much as we should have. Hulk Hogan was an absolute drag to this company in 1998. He had a couple of entertaining promos, I remember us trying to recap, and that was about it. Were they the like properly indecipherable ones where it's yeah. just like I have no idea what this man is rambling yeah. about? Yeah. And the period where he was being called the big kahuna, I did enjoy. But yeah, this is like <laughs> Oh, he's talking about that big spoon ash. Yeah. <laughs> so this is like, yeah, he so he had turned heel two years ago this year, obviously like Bash of the Beach ninety six. And you know, eighteen months to two years in, it's already run out of steam and he's gone away now for a while. Mm-hmm. You know. So, yeah, I'm not looking forward to, you know, when he does come back uh, onto our screens or anything like that. Um, (laughs) You won't have to wait very long. No. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, he is absolutely the biggest drag, particularly behind the scenes. But, yeah, also, not that we ever thought he had any fucking five-star classics left in him. Um, another sign of the desperation of Bischoff I meant to add like uh, not only the celebrity thing but the fact that he had to through gritted teeth bring Flair back mm-hmm. a guy who you know if if he was still holding all the cards absolutely would have been fine with leaving Flair to rot knowing how he felt about him at the time actually something that we probably need to mark Bischoff down on is the whole Liz is with Bischoff angle that was very very uncomfortable to watch yeah, that was real bad. Real bad stuff, Eric. Um, um, it, not nearly as creepy as, you know, what, five years later when he uh, accosts Linda. And Stephanie in the same month, like within the space of a couple of months at the very yeah. least anyway. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, like I know, I know Vince Russo gets like 
a big knock for I think it isn't it um the death of WCW book where they just say Russo just keeps booking these angles to get Liz undressed. Yeah. As much as possible. God, and this is the thing coming into nineteen ninety nine. This is the year of his arrival. And like, but like the whole thing of Eric Bush Bischoff booking her as his girlfriend is just ugh. Yeah. But that look, that's 1998 WCW. We look into, look forward now into 99 where it's going to be a real bumpy ride at first, but then eventually we're going to get to the real funny bad stuff. (laughs) And that will be much easier to get through than the next few months, I imagine. Well, we have Harlem Heat 2000 to look forward to. Yes, we do. We have so much to look forward to in 99, (laughs) Uh, especially because this is the year that, you know, me as a kid, I started watching it. So I'm I'm looking forward to what the hell was it about this product that I was like, yes, I want more of this. (laughs) Um, You were obviously insane. Exactly. (laughs) Was, yes. Um, So let's get into it. The Thundies. Uh, our our esteemed uh, awards show that we kind of just did on a whim six months into 1998. But we're going to think we're going to do them six monthly in the timeline. In the timeline, yeah. So we'll do like a midterm Thunder Awards and then an end of year Thunder Awards. And over the last two weeks or so, Lee, we have been uh, popping out polls for the Thunder Buddies to vote on. Um, I don't know. I have all the results in front of me. I don't know if you had been keeping track of any of them or how much of this is going to be a surprise to you. I am fairly aware of most of them, but I don't have them in front of me so well. Well, I'm surprised. Okay, cool. Yeah, you just work <laughs> it, brother. Um, so what, what we've done here is we're going to abide by the results that the Thunder Buddies have given us. Except uh, when there's a draw. When there's a draw, uh, Continuity Malone will come in uh, right. and, and he and I will discuss about who, who should uh, get the award. We actually also, in I think one category, have a joint last place. Oh. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we'll, we'll have to settle that one as well. I like the way you say we will have a conversation and you left out the most important part that we will agree that I was right. Yeah, well, you will agree that I was right, <laughs> that, that you were right. And I'll just be like, fine, let's move on. With, with all the energy of an exasperated wife, I'll be like, yes, okay, whatever makes you happy, dear. Um, our first category in the 1998 Thundies, uh, Biggest Da. And this is very appropriate for you this week uh, with your announcement. So I'm sure mm-hmm. you'll be you'll be paying close attention to the results of this one. Uh, our nominees were Doug Dillinger, Scott Norton, Rick Steiner and J.J. Dillon. I can reveal exclusively that in fourth place with 8% was J.J. Dillon. Damn. Yeah. I'm surprised I, I, at that. Do you know... I, I was initially, and then I thought it's kind of granddad energy he has. <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. so I'll, I'll I'll let that one slide. Third position, I was quite disappointed by twenty one percent for Rick Steiner, ooh, who was part of the original Team Beefy Da. So um, and and then on the sec in the second half of the year, I had to put up with those two rapscallions. Yeah. Oh God. Chucky and Gene Okerlund, you mean? Oh. <laughs> I was more talking about Dr. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so in second place, then, a surprise second place finish with 25% for Doug Dillinger. He does have big lad energy, though. He does, but he has big kind of... Um, Dopey da. No, it's the kind of... It's the 
Kirk Van Houten divorce dad energy where like, yeah, he wants you to stop doing the annoying thing, but he's not gonna because he still wants you to like him. Um, so that's why he's such a useless security guy because he's just like, oh, stop it. But uh, don't, don't really want to carry it out. Just want to keep drinking my beer here, leaning against the fence. And he will eventually take you for a happy meal. Which, yeah, which means the winner with an astonishing 46% of the vote is Scott Norton. And I can't argue with that. No, that, that's the one that we both picked out and said, yeah, he's, he has to win this. Surely, yeah. Where we tried to make these balanced fields where we could, but this was one where I think Scott Norton mm-hmm. is in a class by himself, da wise. Um, he's got everything: the da leather jacket, the da goatee, the da buzz, buzz cut. Cool. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> everything. The like, I'm gonna fight you uh, at any bar, any time, sort of swagger about him. Uh, yeah, the I've seen some shit look in the eyes. <laughs> yeah, everything about him screams da. Um, another award related to a, a bit of ours on the show that we've already mentioned, the Large Man Appears Award. A lot of large men appeared this year, Lee. It was mm-hmm. tough to narrow it down to four. But in fourth, with 15%, the man, I believe, was the original large man appearing, Reese. He was the initial. He was, right. There was, well, there was a, I think there was three large men appeared on the one show and he was the largest. <laughs> so he became the original. Yeah. I am the Russian nesting doll situation. He is the large man. Okay. Um, so 15% for him. He'll be disappointed in that, I know. Uh, third place, unnamed LWO man with 26%. <laughs> we still haven't given him a name, actually. Yeah. <laughs> They still haven't given him a name, which is the most important part. <laughs> I think he disappears fairly soon yeah. as well. We absolutely could have looked it up, but, uh, you know, Thunder Continuity, if they don't name him, we don't either. And I love him. Um, I love him. <laughs> we in this category, so get your decision-making hat on here, Lee. We've joined first place. <gasps> Ooh. Tied on 29%. This is... I I... I'm telling you, nowhere in the history of professional wrestling, Lee, have these two men tied in first place for anything <laughs> until now. With 29% each, Bam Bam Bigelow and Chocolate Chip Minton. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen to me. I'm going to say there's only one man that can win this category. This guy. <laughs> <laughs> And he he absolutely deserves it for his his appearance on this show. And I I have to say sorry to uh, the man from Asbury Park because because <laughs> I was Chuck... gonna I was gonna go with Bam Bam, but okay. no, yeah, chocolate for, chip, for, yeah, for our brand, I suppose it has to be chocolate chip mitten. So congratulations, the man was a national hero in the Watsley. <laughs> He was on a box of Wheaties, or he should have been. I would like to put forward that, Lavely, that based on this poll, you and I have gotten chocolate chip mitten over more than World Championship <laughs> Wrestling ever did. Actually, do you know what? He shouldn't have been on a box of Wheaties. He should have been a bo- on a box of, like, the knockoff 99-cent Wheaties. Or, or like, um, a box of, um, like, you know, the, the Thin Mints, the Girl Scout cookies? Because he's <laughs> chip mitten. Perfect endorsement. 
Girl Scout endorsed chocolate shipment. Yeah. Coming to all a town near you. All I'm saying is because that deal never happened. He must hate the Girl Scouts of America. That's, that's how I have to conclude things. That's a big claim. It's a big claim, but I've made it. Anyway, congratulations on your Large Man Appears Award, Chocolate Chip Mint. It, if, if he is... I really want him to hear this, because if he does <laughs> and he reaches out, I will send him an award to put beside his bobsleigh medals. Physical award. I will get an award and send it to him. Oh, my God. I would love to meet Chocolate Chip Mitten to hand him that award. <laughs> Anyway, oh, great stuff. Right, worst outfit. This was like... There's some doozies in this one. Yeah. yeah. So now I know for Biggest Dow, I had kind of named all the, the nominees in advance, but I don't think I will. I think I'll just do uh, ascending order from now, from, from Large mm-hmm. Man Appears on. So for worst outfit, in fourth place, the one that I know Lee really wanted to do well in this, Fit Finley, generally. <laughs> Yeah, an absolute shambles of a man. Yeah. He's not a road warrior. He's a very naughty boy. <laughs> I mean, you want to talk about somebody that's gone down in my estimation from watching Thunder. And he choked on my Pepsi just thinking about how shitty he is, apparently. <laughs> I mean, when Alan Farrell openly buries him. <laughs> yeah. The most just positive man in the world, Alan yeah. Forel, and he's just not having any of it. Oh God, I never felt more vindicated in my life. It just it just made me feel alive listening to him. <laughs> um in third place, um, I thought this would finish bottom because we loved it so much, but the Luger goatee. Oh god. That was uh so Fit Finley had 12%, the Luger goatee had 23. Well deserved third place, I think. Yeah. Uh, oh, look, we loved it, but we didn't love it because it was cool. <laughs> no, uh, it, it, it was a what? What's that thing the kids say? It was a um, a mood. Oh yeah, a mood. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no beard, just vibes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, second place with twenty seven percent, so not that much further ahead of the goatee was uh. uh <laughs> A Lee Malone entry, Wolfpack Sting. Again, just an awful, awful look. Yeah. I mean, the man just looks, I mean, he looks lost. Like, he fucking, he looked cool with the black and white. And I get that he joined the Wolfpack and they were red. But Jesus Christ, there was better ways of doing things than painting his face reds. And... The winner with 38%. So it was like pretty close grouping in the voting. Uh, 38%, a deserved winner for worst outfit. And that is anything Buff Bagwell wore. You want to talk about an award that that man deserves. You want to talk about an award that guy might win every year till this company closes <laughs> down. I mean, some of the, uh, the dungarees, um, the top hat made its debut yeah. this year. Yeah, it did. Just um, everything about him. The fucking oh, what else did he have? Oh, the, the 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 mirror promo. Oh, the mirror promo. Yeah, just everything, everything about the yeah. guy. The one thing you will say: better goatee than Luger. Like it's more, uh, more maintained than Luger. L- Luger's looked like it was just I hadn't slept, and this is what my face did. <laughs> Whereas, <laughs> like. Bagwell deliberately had that shit and wore it proudly. 
Um, next up, this is my first one where there were some surprises here. And that is Best Feud, Lee. In fourth place, with only 3% of the vote, Hoovy versus Kidman versus Ray. Okay, I can justify this because the feuds that finish ahead of it are really heavy hitters. Yeah. It's, and t- it's, it's tough, though, to see that on 3%. I know, but like when you consider like how much a part of the year the other three feuds were, mm. and this was really only getting going in the last, what, six weeks, eight weeks. Yeah, it's true. They have been in one combination or another, being like circling each other for yeah. most of the year. Um, but yeah, in terms of like, this is actually a legit feud. Yeah, not too long. Third place, 18% for Benoit versus Booker T. A kind of like uh, early to middle of the year yeah. feud if, that we I still think gonna, about. Yeah. Oh yeah. Feuds that really helped us get through the early portion of the year and uh, made us feel kind of uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. A little bit. And not the last we'll be hearing from that feud in the polls tonight. Um. Second place with 35%, and I'm, I'm very glad this did get its due and not come too far behind the winner, and was the one I personally would have voted for myself, and that is the Flock and Canyon versus DDP and Saturn. Mm-hmm. It was tough to kind of succinctly write in the few characters to give you for a poll who that feud was between, but it's that kind of little Flock cinematic universe thing that's been going on all year. Yeah, it's like it, it escalated from Raven... DDP, Benoit in what? Uncensored, right into Raven DDP, into Saturn Raven, DDP Canyon floating around the outside. And it was just like, to me, it was one of the real highlights of the year. It's it's like maybe the only consistent angle that's run through the whole year in Mm -hmm. one way or another, Um, which is why we've like, you know, you talk about, uh, how Finley's reputation was hugely damaged by you watching him back for a year. Like Raven and the Flocks was possibly the most enhanced. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you want to talk about high points of the show for me? That fall brawl match. Ah, oh. I will go to my grave thinking that after that match. Yeah, not and not the last time we'll be talking about that one either. Um, in first place for feud of the year, I, I thought the flock one was going to be a lock, but with 44%, so coming 9% ahead of second place, Jericho versus Malenko. Wow. I, do you know what? I honestly thought Raven and the flock versus Adam DDP was the front runner. Mm. But I think the Raven uh, Malenko, or Raven Malenko, Jericho Malenko is so well remembered by people it had that one moment and that's maybe the one thing you can say for Mm. the flock feud is that it didn't have that one defining moment you've seen replayed over and over again it was more series of consistently good moments yeah and that and that is an all-time moment yeah like jericho malenko had a couple of pretty damn good matches and then uh some really good angles and that one moment which again we'll talk about in a bit so well deserved for those lads Next up, thunderest moment. <laughs> in fourth place, one that I'm surprised because it was very early doors on the podcast, Lee, that we talked about this one. And I saw multiple tweets going, I can't even remember this one. It was so long ago on the timeline. Who killed Randy Savage with 5%? We've all forgotten the Dodge Viper. I was just going to say, that was the, the, the bit outside, yeah. Yeah, Mr. H. Hogan. 
That is Dodge Viper. Who could have possibly driven the red and yellow Viper that knocked down Randy Savage outside the building? Hmm. Yeah. Where we we had um wasn't it Tanay was on the case as well. Oh yeah, the, 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 yeah the, the first instance of uh super sleuth Tanay. Yeah, where he couldn't figure it out to save his life, even though he was out in the car park talking to witnesses, whereas Lee Marshall who was sitting in the building like it was a fuck it was clearly all over. <laughs> <laughs> What are you talking about? And that's why Stagger Lee is the best. Yeah. Um, and that was wasn't that the way that they worked in the bad knee? Yes, it was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's how it all started. That he's currently still out from. Mm-hmm. Um, third place with 25%, Rick Steiner versus Chucky. An <laughs> all-time horrendous pop culture crossover that you had suppressed out of your brain until oh. the game process. And I wish I still had it suppressed because, <laughs> God, how bad was this? Yeah. Oh, like just if you didn't listen to our show, it was a Knights of Nitro special. Um, that I, I think it was was the Horseman one. I think it was. Yes. Yeah. So the second reason I wanted to do that Nitro was because I knew this was happening <laughs> and I wanted Lee to watch it. And it was. Yeah, it was so cringy bad. Uh, that just because like even I was thinking about about this like in 1998 I don't know which was the intellectual property that needed the rub more because like Chucky was definitely on the downward swing Um, it was but it was still a kind of pop culture thing yeah it's still a recognizable face and I know so I know from our time where we had TNT across here that I remember there was a lot of like uh, schlocky horror stuff would play on on our version Mm -hmm. of TNT all the time I remember I used to constantly uh, trailers for like the Nightmare on Elm Street sequels and stuff like that while I was watching Nitro was Bride of Chucky out at this stage Uh, so I think uh, that one that he was there marketing on that Nitro was either Bride or Seed of Chucky I can't remember which one it was okay Um, and I absolutely do not want to google it um, not because I'm scared of him, just because I I just don't want Chucky popping up in my in my search history. Um, it's even more shameful than WCW popping up in my search history. Uh, in second place, an angle that I think again was a case of like chocolate chip mitten. I think this was an angle either nobody saw or nobody remembered, and we would not stop going on about it. With thirty percent, the cat beats up the Armstrong. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and Bobby Heenan looks on from the window. Yeah. Okay. So for anybody who, uh, Lee, for anybody who didn't watch that episode of Thunder and didn't listen to our episode of the podcast, what happened in this angle? Because I know oh, I've described it about a hundred times. What Was it right at the beginning of the show? I think it was. It was, it was, it was early doors anyway on the show because like they go outside and it's still bright. And um they cut to the outside where I think it's Scott Hudson or Tanay or somebody is, is conducting an interview with the, the Armstrong brothers. Yeah. And the cat is all of a sudden making his entrance to the build or trying to walk into the building. And one of the arm, I think it's Scott says to, you know, come on, we're trying to do an interview here. And the cat, you know, so, you know, like, Oh, you know, blows it off and kind of walks towards the door. <laughs> As the Armstrongs turn back to, you know, go back to their interview, the cat just in the most nonchalant way 
Lay is one of them out with the best head kick I have ever seen in professional wrestling. <laughs> Fucking Mirko Krokop put to shame. Um, <laughs> and I think he lays out the other Armstrong then as well, doesn't he? He lays yeah. out both of them. Both of them with head kicks. But the best part <laughs> is the security door has like this big glass panel. And Bobby Heenan is just peeking out the entire time with yeah. his big fucking glasses on. That's... And, and when they cut back, Shivani is going, Bobby, what were you doing there? <laughs> <laughs> so that's one of the best parts. And the other part is later on, the cat comes out and lays them out again. But he like leaps into frame. Remember this? That like one of them oh, is yeah, out by the ringside. Yeah. And the first time we see the cat, he's already about four feet in the air with the foot extended and just catches one of the Armstrongs with the chops again. Again, to bring it back to a Simpsons reference, it's the guy in the white suit and the uh, the fight oh, on the, the front lawn. Fight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> 100%. Uh, winning this category with 40%, what else could it be but tag team champion Judy Bagwell? And you know what? She may that may not be her last Hundy. Uh, when I think about Judy Bagwell's continued involvement in WCW, that makes me sad. Yeah. God bless her. She Don't was having for... a great time. That's one thing I will say. That that is true. She came off like a badass. Yeah, she came off like Stone Cold Steve Austin on that one nitro. Um, but ultimately gone from that incredible cat angle to Judy Bagwell just makes me sad. Yeah. But it was, <laughs> I, I will agree, it was probably the thunderous moment. Yeah, the there year, really so was. Fair. Like, if it was our favorite moment of the year, the cat annihilating the Armstrongs might well have won us. I think uh, a close fifth, you know, would have been um, Royd and Rage explode. Yeah. Oh, the the, the, the end of high voltage. God. Yeah. I still live with that sadness to this day. Uh, our next... I, I, I was just going to say, I don't think Aaron Quinn has ever recovered from that moment. <laughs> the peak of her and everyone's lives. <laughs> um, Best talker is our next category. And this is the one where we have a joint bottom. Oh. In fourth place. And I can imagine this is rare that these two men would finish bottom of a best talker poll with 16% each DDP and Ric Flair. Wow. Okay. Now, I guess I looked at it like this. This isn't his most famous year for promos, Flair. And he was missing for about half of us. That is true. But just by the virtue of that one night in September in North Carolina, yeah, he has to finish ahead of DDP. I really wanted to, if I could have more than four people on this poll, I would have put Aaron in as well. Because mm-hmm. Aaron did some great work around the time of the Horseman reunion, but you couldn't not put Flair in for that one yeah. night. Um, and DDP... The, like, I mean, look, the, the mayor of Bangtown... I mean, he's given us so many moments throughout the year. He has intentionally and unintentionally. Oh, many unintentionally. So, but um, I think somebody said for his appearance on TRL alone, I had to vote Page, <laughs> and I couldn't disagree. Do with you know that. what? I can't. I can't dispute that one. Yeah. Um. Second place, twenty-two percent. Raven. Damn Roy. Yeah, I don't think I don't think there's an argument there. Like he was fantastic all year. Mm-hmm. Um. He had a couple of off weeks. But, ah, look, he's raving. That that's the character. He's yeah. more, you know, he, that's just the way he is. Yeah. And 
I don't think for our listeners it was ever going to finish on the other way, Lee, with a whopping 46% of the vote. Best talker is Chris Jericho. Without a doubt. Yeah. With that, like, easily, hands down. I mean, we may may as well have just had four Chris Jerichos in the poll because... Yeah. And he the- won it at the midterms as well, I believe. <laughs> um, I do want to give Raven credit for one moment, one particular um, promo. Yeah. Is, that still gets me is the Morris promo backstage. Oh, where he's just sitting down with him? Yeah. Yeah. He's just like, you know, what, what are you? You know, you're Morris. Like, what's that? And he's just like <laughs> ripping into him. Yeah. Um, but no, like Chris Jericho, absolutely 100% had and, to win this. And Jericho had off weeks in the ring during this year, but on the microphone, never, never missed. Yeah. Never missed. Um, the, the slambery, you know, the calling out the battle the royal. Battle royal. Yeah. Ah, iconic. Golden. The the Ralpha stuff, the mm-hmm. the Goldberg entrance, the the tantrum after he lost to Milenko. Yes. Um. Yeah. The, the, the Congress stuff. The, oh my God! The the Ed Strangler Lewis loophole. Yeah. <laughs> the whole thing. The, yeah. The conspiracy victim. Like there's so much. Like most of Jericho's iconic WCW promos were this year. Mm-hmm. Um. He was incredible uh, in a class by himself. Next up, the biggest history in the Night of Our Sport Award. Okay. We have Halloween Havoc goes off the air in fourth with 4%. And I suppose that might have done better in a thunderous moment poll. Mm-hmm. But as a biggest night in the history of our sport job, yeah, I can see that finishing last. Okay. Third place. The Wolfpack forms. 8%. Yeah, I think I think that's fair. It, it again, it was a big moment for the year, but not something that really stands out in the all in the completion of the year. I don't think it's that like big of a deal when we get to the end of the year and see where things are going. Yeah, for sure. Second place, the streak ends fourteen percent. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So, and that was a big moment. It really was. But the Thunder Buddies have voted en masse with the biggest and most decisive first place vote in the entire awards. 74% goes to Goldberg and Hogan in the yeah. Georgia Dome. And I don't think, I, I no. really don't think there's any argument there. I'm, I'm surprised the gap isn't a bit closer with the ending of the streak. Yeah. But again, I don't think there was ever any doubt when you made that poll what was going to win. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I like, I, yeah. <laughs> it was just like, there is no, there's other stuff where I'm like, oh, I'd like them to finish higher or lower. But mm-hmm. number one with a bullet here, it's not even close. Like, you know, it's the one 1998 WCW clip that gets played ad infinitum still to this day. You know? Mm-hmm. Next up, we have biggest pop. Fourth, Saturn turns on the flock. Zero percent. What? Yes, no one voted for that. Ah, you absolute... I'm disgusted. (laughs) I'm absolutely disgusted (laughs) at Thunderbase. It's the only nominee in any award that got no votes. Ah, no way. Yeah. These are all wrong. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Third place, the Horseman Nitro Reunion. With only 17% of the vote. Oh. Yeah. 
a bit of an upset in this one. Yeah. Second, Cyclope is Dean Malenko. 40%. So a huge That's gap a between gap. The, the horseman and, and, and Malenko. And to be fair, it was a massive pop. Yeah, it was. Like as an individual pop moment, it's it's massive. I don't know if it's more massive than Flair returning. No, in Charlotte, in Charlotte but, but you know, this and be uh the Thunderbody's I'm still, spoken. I'm, I'm still disgusted that <laughs> and narrowly ahead of it. So that was 40. Our winner only got 43. And that was, you know, you couldn't argue much with this. Goldberg beating Hogan. Yeah. Yeah. It uh, was uh, it, for me, it was either that or the Flair return. Like, From, yeah, like I'd probably have Goldberg one flair too, but yeah, I mean I still have Goldberg one. Yeah. Uh our our final two, two of the more serious kind of uh topics we have here. Match of the year. Oh, okay. It's a tough one. Fourth place with only eight percent. And it was tough to pick one of these guys' matches, but I went with the one that had gotten the highest rating. Uh, Ray versus Hoovy from the 15th of January. So this, mm-hmm. like, it's a long time back, remembering for us, having covered it on the show. But I think it was the first match we were like, fucking hell. Like, these, I, yeah, this division. I think that, yeah, that, that was the really, the first really great match on the show. Yeah. Um. So that only got 8%. I understand very early in the year, it's hard for stuff that early to gain that much momentum. Mm-hmm. Fine. Third place... Booker versus Benoit on the 14th of June. So that was the finale of the best of seven, if I remember rightly. Yes. 20% for that. That That's... was an excellent match. Yeah, that was an excellent match. And I'm I'm actually surprised considering like how far back it was in the year. Mm. Like that, that that that's a decent chunk of votes, I think. We have joint winners for this. Oh, okay. That we're gonna have to decide between. So both on 36%, we have Goldberg and DDP from 25th of October, Halloween Havoc, and Raven Saturn from 13th of September, Fall Brawl. And I think I know which way we're going on this, Lee. It's the match we have not stopped raving about since we saw it. And I think for the sake of Lost Gems... yeah. Um, we have to go with Raven and Saturn. I, I have to because I I adore like yeah. you put it over time, I adore this match. I think second only to Goldberg and Hogan, people have pretty much all seen the Goldberg DDP match that year. It's the mm-hmm. other match that gets played to bits from 1998 WCW. But the people need to be seeing this Raven Saturn match, yeah. man. And if I had had a fifth nominee for this one, I would have put in that cruiserweight three-way. Yes, absolutely. And I mean, do you know what? Looking looking at that top top five, shall we say? Mm. That's a great output of matches. Yeah, like granted, the drop off is fairly fucking steep after that. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, look, there was plenty of like what you want to say three and a half, three three and a quarter star Jericho mm. matches, Ray yeah. matches. Well, I mean, thing, the thing about it is, I would find it much easier to remember that list of five than what my five favorite WWF matches from 1998 were. Oh, God, yeah. They weren't exactly known for their five star in ring classics in 1998, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so there, there definitely is that to it. Like Raven, Saturn, and Goldberg DDP hit higher, hit higher heights than any individual wrestling match in WWF that comes to mind straight away, anyway. Tweet us in if you can think of something that does, WCW Thunderpod on Twitter. Finally, Lee, wrestler of the year. The big one. Mm-hmm. The big kahuna, not Hulk Hogan. 
In fourth, we have joint last place. With 4% each, it's Ray and Hoovy. I had a feeling they were finishing third and fourth, but I think for us, we had to put them in. Oh, we did. They Look, we, we said it a couple of weeks ago, Hoovy has been one of those guys that on rewatch has really stood out to us. I do think he has to finish fourth here because of the inconsistency. Yeah. And I mean, Ray is just one of the most incredible wrestlers of all time. Absolutely. It's just, there, there's no dispute in that. Mm. In second place with 28% of the vote, one DDP. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Fair play to him. That- Meaning that the winner with 64% was Billy Big Time himself, Goldberg. I mean, look, I'm look, DDP got a fair chunk there, but I'm almost surprised the gap isn't bigger because, yeah, yeah you want to talk about guys that just stood out above the rest. Yeah. Like if we were going to go, you know, ring technician of the year, it wouldn't be like this. But no. like as the, you know, talk about a guy who embodies everything good about 1998 WCW, the mm-hmm. one guy who you're just constantly thinking about through that year and getting excited about, it's it's Goldberg. It's, yeah. it's, it's a no-brainer. For sure. Um, yeah, but th- that's it then. That's that's the Thundies for 1998. Uh, what did you think of the, uh, the listeners' picks there, Lee? I mean... They're all in my bad books now for not voting for Saturn turns on the plot. I love it that they had a pretty like great uh, turnout across the board. They voted very sensibly, but mm-hmm. there's one thing where you disagreed with them oh, on. They're all uh, damned to hell now. Oh yeah, I'm going to hold it against them all. They're all wrong. Yeah. yeah. Um, now look, if I, anybody ever wondered, yes, Lee does take everything extremely personally when people <laughs> disagree with him. Um, now look, I think there's some. I don't think there's any that we can really dispute there. No. I mean, the, the the Flair and Charlotte one is the only one that I would really argue. But I mean, Malenko at C-Club hey, was a massive pop at either way. So yeah. yeah. Um, but no, like some really great results. I love doing these kind of shows. It's nice to look back and mm. remember all the good bits. Absolutely. Um, thank you guys so much for everything. Uh, in terms of listening, sharing the show, uh, feedback, voting in these, everything uh, throughout 1998 and throughout our two and a half years so far. We are going to be here till nobody wants us here no more. And even then we'll probably (laughs) stay a little longer. Um, We are in this for the long haul. We are going to finish this goddamn show if it kills us and it might. Um, So fear not. Before we go, I need to plug... Oh, um, plug, this plug, week, plug. this week on uh, Mr. Alan Farrell's Pro Rest Paradise on the PW Torch VIP section, oh, okay. I will be guest appearing alongside um, Alan as we talk about four matches from Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff's career. Oh, rest in peace, Mr. Wonderful, by yes. the way. And, and I mean, you want to talk about an incredible chat. I had an absolute ball talking wrestling with Alan. It's just one of the best things in the world is to be able to sit down and talk to Alan Farrell about wrestling. A great man, a great show. Well worth your PW Torch subscription just for his show. Mm -hmm. And speaking as somebody who signed up to PW Torch just for his show, I can say that with some authority. Uh, No disrespect to Wade. Um, But Alan's the draw. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but yeah, no, absolutely check that out this week. It should be up. I think it's up tonight, maybe, or tomorrow, but it'll definitely be up by the time the show comes out. 
cool. Um, I will say as well, um, you know, um, speaking of Mr. Wonderful, that um, I couldn't recommend enough the Voices of Wrestling flagship from the last week. Oh my God, yes. Where it's just essentially like there's a little bit at the start that isn't about Paul Wonderful or Paul Paul Orndorff. Paul Wonderful. Um, Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff. But it's most of the three hours are a Mr. Wonderful career retrospective. And there is nothing more engrossing in this world than when Joe Lanza just goes off about old territories wrestling. Joe Lanza is an underrated encyclopedia of wrestling knowledge. Yeah. When yeah. that guy is passionate about something, oh yeah. He can just listen to him all night. Yeah. And like if 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 uh Meltzer was even more cancellation proof, you'd be Joe Lanza. Because <laughs> <laughs> god damn it, they've they they've tried and by Lanza's own admission should have succeeded by now. <laughs> mm-hmm. But he's still here. Um yeah no it was a it was absolute great show. Um, and I saw I saw Rich on Twitter getting down on himself for not inputting enough, but you know it takes two to tango, and it was an incredible three yeah. hours of listening to the point now where I'm starting to look around for Mister Wonderful at Rex to to watch this week in my spare time. Uh, listen, we come to the conclusion on uh, the on Alan's show. Watch everything, yeah, because the man does not have a bad match. He's uh, absolutely fantastic. But uh, anyway, yeah, thank you guys so much. We can't wait to get started uh, on 99 and start getting back into the regular rhythm of these shows. Uh, we hope you'll join us along the way. We hope you enjoyed these Thundies. Uh, for myself and Lee, we'll see you again in two weeks' time. Goodbye. Thanks, everyone, for downloading another episode of Days of Thunder. Days of Thunder is produced by Lee Malone and edited by myself, Dave Ryan, and available every second Thursday night wherever good podcasts are sold. You can follow Days of Thunder on Twitter or Instagram, where we love to hear from our listeners about all things wrestling and beer. We're at WCW Thunderpod on both platforms. I'm at the day to Dave on Twitter and Lee is at Malone underscore 713. This has been a production of the PWOM Podcast Network. Subscribe there for a veritable feast of podcasting content from wrestling of the past, like the world cast through the years in the International House of Combat, to wrestling of the present with Boom Goes the Dynamite and Strong Style Story, and something a little bit different with Gideon Guys, Yours, Mine, and the Truth, and Busting Balls. Subscribe now, you won't be disappointed. Thanks. I can feel the thunder that's breaking in your heart. I can see through the scars inside you I can feel the thunder that's breaking in your heart I can see through the scars inside